All right, everyone, welcome back to Dominating Your Investments. Today is August 17th, 2022, and another wild day in the market. Uh, we know yesterday we had great results from Walmart and Home Depot, and today we had results uh, reported from Target and Lowe's. So with Target, big time collapse on the actual results, 46% uh, twice uh, the lowered EPS as far as a miss goes. So not only did they say they were going to be lower, uh, they they ended up actually no three yeah, twice that yeah uh, okay uh, three two one all right everybody welcome back to dominating your investments today is August seventeenth twenty twenty two. And we're going to talk about the market and the wild ride we've been on. Uh, yesterday, we had Walmart and Home Depot report earnings. And for the other part of retail, we had Target and Lowe's today. Uh, Target with very disappointing results. Uh, they already had reported once, pre-reported, you know, lower EPS expectations. Uh, and it twice lowered EPS, and they still had a 46% miss to that. Uh, so obviously the stock fell on earnings, but it didn't fall too much, which was really interesting. Um, I don't know if, if it's just because uh, there, there's more to, to come as far as pain in the market and people are, are not um, three, two, one, but it really didn't fall that much, which was confusing for me. Uh, Walmart in sympathy with uh, Target dropped a little bit. Three, two, one. So the results for Target, initially three months ago, the EPS was supposed to be $3.92, a 9.4% operating percent, uh, 9.4%, three, two, one. 9.4% operating margin were the initial expectations. And then they ended up results were 39 cents on earnings uh, per share. So 90% year over year decline quarterly, and then 1.2% on the operating margin. So uh, they said a lot of this was due to the inventory glut and getting rid of the inventory that they had. Um, we saw that TJX actually uh, had a, a boost as far as their results today, um, and probably were a recipient of some of those, those inventory gluts as well. Now, Lowe's, on the other hand, did have an earnings beat. And if you look at their return for the last three years, 130%. I just can't believe uh, something as cyclical and uh, as uh, slow paced as retail goes for homemaking uh, would just continue to compound. Actually, I, actually three, two, one. Now with Lowe's, they did have an earnings beat. And if we look at their three-year return, it is 130%. So a slow and steady winner, just constantly growing since uh, three years ago and, and uh, continues to compound uh, as more consumers are working on home projects. Uh, and that's something that's really never going to go away, whether it's home builders or uh, current homeowners. Uh, I could see both them and Home Depot continuing to slowly compound and, and go throughout the market uh, higher as time goes on. It's one of those stocks you want to hold on to for a long time. 
And just from July 18th, it went from $180 to $216. So great returns while the, the market has been fluctuating down. So uh, the market uh, has been played by the highest uh, two-year uh, three, two, one. So the market has been played with the highest two-year uh, interest rate level uh, being today. And the wage inflation uh, is not letting up as well. Now, on to some other stocks that we had. Uh, Tesla, actually, no, three, two, one. And rounding out three, two, one. And rounding out our housing market uh, trends and, and reporting here, the mortgage, three, two, one. And rounding out our housing reporting, mortgage demand was at a 22-year low. 82% of refinances down year over year. So 82% year over year down on refinances, not surprising. We know that prices and inflation is very high uh, and the demand has been decreasing due to the high housing costs. So no shocker there. Uh, obviously the news kind of made it seem like it was uh, new news, but with that, we, that could play a role as, as we see more and more decline potentially happening uh, if interest rates go continue to go up. So Citibank said that they have a 50% chance of recession. That really doesn't tell us much. That's like a yes or a no halfway through, flip the coin. Like there's no either way swaying on the reporting there. Uh, so yes, 50% of the chance it could be a recession. On my personal opinion, I think we're already in a recession. Um, not to say that things can't get worse, but uh, we have seen some dramatic drop-offs in the market and uh, specifically on the, the growth stocks. Uh, now, on some more positive news, Bank of America said that the largest inflows into technology uh, was the seventh largest inflow since 2008. It was over $2 billion last week uh, in the S&P tech funds. And um, now the S&P tech funds uh, does have a PE of 24 and it was previously 19. So things are getting a little rich. Um, why do I bring up so much of the macro? Well, right now we're living in an environment where you have to pay attention to the macro to understand, you know, potential prices that you want to get into or continue building into, uh, into your stocks. Now you can, of course, just have a very disciplined dollar cost averaging approach and just not look at this and just every paycheck just put into your favorite stocks. That is a great recipe for winning. Uh, I'm playing it a little more aggressive in that uh, it does help if you can learn a little bit about some technical analysis and also pay attention to the macro. Uh, so that way, if you're looking to build into a position and you can kind of see the writing on the wall and some of the different um, things that are happening in the market, then you may be able to put a higher amount of that dollar cost averaging uh, in when, when prices are lower. So that is, in a sense, definitely timing the market, but um, to each their own. So I will say, regardless, the biggest thing is you want to make sure that you're uh, consistently investing uh, regularly and discipline-wise and, and making sure that you're learning about the companies that you're wanting to invest in and you have high confidence and conviction and you're doing your own research, right? This is not 
financial advice. So that's just kind of wrapping up the overall macro on the housing market, some of the retail stocks. Now on to one of my favorite stocks, Tesla. So Tesla announced a new membership they're working on to open up the uh, EV supercharger network to other companies, other EV uh, cars and car makers so they can actually use the supercharge charger network, uh, but on a monthly membership fee. So it's interesting because what it does is it definitely makes it more affordable for those uh, non-Tesla owners to charge their EVs for a lower cost. But why would Tesla do that? Well, there's a couple reasons. And uh, I'm just going to read this here from Seeking Alpha on uh, some of the things that were uh, disclosed in the article about this offering. So they say here, there are more details out on how Tesla soon may open its supercharger network in the U.S. to non-Tesla owners. Electric reported that the electric vehicle maker is working on opening up new supercharger memberships for non-Tesla EV owners before the end of the year. So now we have a time frame on it. Crucially, opening up the network is a requirement to access federal funds earmarked to accelerate the deployment of EV charging stations. So there's some federal government funding here that they could possibly access. Recent regulatory filings and other documents indicate Tesla is applying for public funding, which could be used to add CCS connectors to existing supercharger stations. Earlier this week, a screenshot from a brief test, three, two, one. Earlier this week, a screenshot from a brief test window when non-Tesla owners could sign up for the supercharger network indicated that there is a pay per use and a flat pay by the month option. Now the flat pay by the month option, what I saw on Twitter was a dollar a month for per user. Uh, I, I don't know if that's official or if that was Photoshopped. I, we'll have to go do some more research on what those potential pay options are. Um, but you can just see the pricing power with the technology that Tesla has. And this is just for their charging stations. Think about what they could do for full self-driving. And if, if that gets rolled out and if they're able to license that software and license some of the other technology, if they choose to license it to other EVs, the kind of pricing power and scale that they will have. Uh, the same thing goes for their AI and what we could potentially see down the, the road in the far years of their Optimus Prime robot, um, and also their Dojo AI software, what that possibly could open up new doors uh, and driving business outcomes with their AI. Uh, and then of course their solar business. So I don't see Elon slowing down here now. I am a little concerned that he's constantly in the news. Um, I do think he's fully focused on Tesla, but like he had a joke today, uh, you know, he has a funny sense of humor. What can I say? He put on Twitter that he wanted to uh, maybe buy Man United, Manchester United, the soccer club. And uh, I don't think he knew that they were public. Well, you know, what? I take it back. I'm not going to discredit. He probably did know that they were a publicly traded company. I didn't know that the soccer team was, but it jumped 17% today. So uh you know, kudos to you, Musk, for uh, helping man you out there. And it actually held above like at 7% gain uh, earlier. So, you know, anything he says, I think everyone's waiting to listen uh, and hearing and, and paying attention to very closely. So awesome news there for Tesla. Uh, if we move forward on just the overall charts and what uh, 
people are talking about with this rally that we've seen these past couple of weeks, you know, a lot of the discussion in the finance media is, is this a dead cat bounce or are we really going through a real rally? Um, the market, the Fed notes just came out recently. Um, we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, you know, with this rally, the market kind of looks like it's believing the Fed is, is dovish and that they don't have to keep raising rates, whereas banks and academic economists feel the complete opposite. Um, I'm in that camp. I really do think that we need to make sure that we um, continue to raise rates so inflation can come down. And uh, we're, you know, the CPI data can be very manipulated uh, and, and it's not telling the full story. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the, the facts that uh, Walmart just spatted out was that they're seeing a lot more of $100,000 customers, uh, annual income customers coming in uh, for the first time. And, and so, you know, w- when you see a lot of these different things uh, that, are, that are on the wall, you know, 38% growth in corn, uh, three, two, one. So just because oil is down and we're starting to see some gas prices coming down. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. That's just my guess, but you know, the market's unpredictable, but I do think that uh, we will continue to see rates. Now the question was today on, on the media was, is it 50 points? Is it 75 points? Um, I think if it goes 75, we're going to see some more negative reaction on growth stocks and uh, that will continue to allow buying opportunities for good growth companies. Um, so with the Fed minutes, we did see that they said that they were uh, likely to continue to raise rates. They didn't specify any particular percentages, but they truly want to make sure that they don't get stuck in a situation where we're in stagflation and they, you know, it just rises right back up. Right. So really interesting there. Um, and then for investing during this time frame, if you're holding five, 10, 20 years, you know, these prices are very uh, suppressed when you look at some of these great companies, these big tech companies that are still 30, 40, 50% down. Um, that, that provides a great opportunity to, to lower your cost basis. So uh, we have seen semiconductors, big tech, and even some retail lowering guidance for the back half of the year. So you think you put it together, if the rates rise up and continue to go, and we see the lower guidance happening, um, we could see a mix of, of where, um, and also if we have some unemployment uh, happening and increasing, we could finally kind of get a tiny bit of a grip or take a little bit of chunk out of the inflation number. But we do have a long way to go before we have anything like a soft landing, in my opinion. Um, so now on to more individual stocks. So City did a downgrade on one of my favorite stocks, Snowflake. Um, I don't pay attention to these downgrades and, and upgrades. Uh, even on, you know, the analyst for City was talking about how, well, this is for six-month overview, right? So he's given a downgrade on just the next six months. So if you're a trader, a day trader, then you're paying attention to this. But if you're a long-term uh, investor in the company, you want to hear fundamentals about the company, the leadership, and is anything changing on your thesis? So the whole purpose of the downgrade was uh, they think that usage will go down for the next six months. Uh, it is a pay per usage model that they have. Now they do have to fulfill those contracts. If they don't use those credits, the customer loses it. 
but uh, if they did sign longer contracts and, you know, they can hold out for a couple quarters before they put those credits to use and recognize that revenue, um, they think that Snowflake is going to have a smaller beat. And if they lower guidance, it could really bring the stock even down further as it does trade uh, over price sales uh, over 20. So then they come back and say, well, we're also very long-term on the stock, the data sharing, the ecosystem they're building out, uh, allowing uh, applications to be built on their, their data ecosystem and the partnerships they have, you know, long-term bullish, but short-term, we're going to downgrade the stock. So now it's down to like 160 a share, uh, much more affordable than the 300 that, that I got in on day one of the IPO. Um, so I have been lowering my cost basis on there. And don't worry, Palantir is still my favorite stock, uh, or I'll say uh, my largest position. I'd say my favorite company right now is probably NVIDIA. They, they are definitely executing, um, but they had an off quarter and they're going to take another big punch in the face with uh, reporting earnings here in the next two weeks. Uh, they already gave their pre-release that they were going to be lower. And if they're lower than what their pre-release was, or they give any indication of much lower guidance, I think they could get very penalized around what that does in the market. Uh, we saw analog devices today also provide a miss, which brought the semis down. Um, but I'm not worried about the next year. I'm looking at, is this company set up to have long-term high reoccurring revenue, high gross margins? Are they having a moat that they're building and a reoccurring model where uh, it provides net revenue expansion? And the way they're doing it with, with hardware is they're having a new hardware release for either a CPU, a DPU, or GPU every 18 months. Now you'd say, okay, well, what's the big deal about that? Why is that, you know, they're obviously going to have different releases for their different types of chips uh, at different times. But what is very unique is that with each new release, they're pushing the boundaries on the amount of compute and speed and performance that each chip can do 10, 20, 100, 1000 X in some cases. What does that do? If you have a product that is a thousand X faster and better than the last chip that you released. Do you think that other competitors or other customers that do buy that chip and their competition, and they don't want to be left in the dust, they're also going to try to keep up and make sure that they have the top level compute because at the end of the day in technology and in business, you're always trying to reduce your time to value getting quicker results better performance and lowering cost. So their ecosystem from their hardware does that. And then we have all of these other factors for NVIDIA. Um, I'm just going on this rant about NVIDIA out of, out of nowhere, but I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, then we look at their Omniverse and their digital twin business. And uh, the digital twin market is, is set to the, the growth expectations are exponential here over the next few years and what you can do in reducing your, your time to value and lowering costs and OPEX when you're able to model things out on a digital twin environment before you build something in real life. And they did this with BMW. BMW reduced their factories, 30 global factories by 30% by using the Omniverse technology. Now Amazon Logistics is using the Omniverse technology. Do you not think that both of those companies have great AI 
engineers and products that they, they normally have to, to look at things like this in their business. But NVIDIA is executing with next level technology uh, that's delivering business outcomes and delivering it quickly. So I anticipate that to continue to further grow, to continue to partner with people like Epic Games, uh, Unity. Uh, they even partner with Palantir. And I don't know to what degree, but I did see Palantir's logo on one of their Investor Day uh, presentations. And, and so that's one part of their business. And then they have 20 plus manufactured deals with uh, EV electric vehicles and their NVIDIA drive system. So they are going to help accelerate autonomous driving and just overall the compute that's needed for EVs. Then you look at their robotics and their Isaac simulation and what they're doing for automated robotics in the factory. That's another vertical. And then in their supercomputers and their ability to uh, go through genomic data at exponential speeds and, and really helping drug discovery companies, uh, that is another avenue in healthcare that they're working. So I look for optionality in companies. I look for high gross margins and also look for great balance sheets. Yes, they have $11 billion of debt. Why do they have that debt? Well, they bought Mellanox, a high networking uh, performance com company that's delivering great revenue and exponential margins for them, but they also have $21 billion on the books for cash. So they could pay that, that, that debt off anytime they want. And they're paying a consistent dividend every quarter. My guess is 25 years from now, they'll be one of the new dividend aristocrats, right? Because they're consistently paying that small little dividend. So overall, very thrilled with where they're at. Uh, so back to Snowflake, I do think they'll recover in the long term, but there could be some opportunities with how, how volatile our environment is right now. Now, on to Amazon. So we were just talking about them earlier. They are going to release some kind of TikTok app to help sellers provide videos for the, the, the feel and, and use of products. It's going to be rolled out to uh, employees in small numbers, but they did state that, hey, this is just a... a a new project they're just testing out and it could be canned or shelved any day. Now, onto some positive news, uh, even more for them is around their surcharges that they're starting to put in to gather more margins and profits. And we knew that eventually Amazon was going to do this. The whole point of the Amazon business model is to capture all the market share you can, uh, not worry about profits, but worry about adoption and stickiness and revenue, uh, reoccurring revenue and net revenue expansion with your customers. So you're getting more from each average revenue per user or customer. And so they're doing that. They raised prices on Prime. Uh, I'm sure they didn't lose many Prime members after this. Uh, and so that drove revenue increase. I didn't even blink when they raised it on me. I, of course, we're going to pay extra for our Prime. We use it constantly. Uh, then you look at a 35 cents per item holiday surcharge from October to January. It's going to generate an estimated $870 million in net profit. Uh, that's, I mean, just the fact that they can just do that with the blink of an eye and uh, generate that much profit just from a little sur surcharge uptake on every item that's purchased because they have so many users and they have so much market share. Um, this is where you get that, that uh, expanding network effect and the ability that they have so much market space and scale that 
small little changes to their, their services generate a lot more revenue and margins. They also had a higher FBA fee. Um, and so overall, and oh, just to go back to the holiday surcharge, it was just for their US and Canada regions. Uh, and then they also had an energy surcharge earlier this year as well. So they're starting to care more and focus on profit where they can just pull tiny little levers and make a big difference for their earnings. So if you're an Amazon shareholder, uh, you should be excited. Uh, I don't have any shares, but uh, it's definitely something uh, that, that I might consider if it comes back down to price. I know that it's been been up quite a bit since it hit like $104 after the split. Now it's in the 140s, um, but they're, they're starting to pull levers around profitability. And, and obviously I don't think that they're not going to stop innovating. AWS is their big behemoth that's driving that business. Uh, but overall, uh, good news if you're an Amazon shareholder. Now on to the meme stock, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond doubled in seven days. <laughs> that's right, doubled in seven days. So uh, Wall Street bets and the, and the Reddit crowd are pushing that higher. I don't know what the uh, outcome or the, the end game is there. Uh, it's not a stock that interests me, but it definitely are, it is paying people who, who are holding it right now. Um, also Cisco topped expectations. They beat EPS, uh, and revenue of 13.1 billion and had better guidance than expected. That stock's basically been sideways for, for a long time. Same with Intel, actually Intel's declined, uh, for, for the past couple months. So that is on the, the larger cap stocks, uh, and to kind of round out the, the, uh, large caps or actually this is more of a mega cap, of course, uh, is Apple. Apple continues to perform and continues to grow. Uh, they just announced that they're going to have their uh, new Apple 14 uh, release day, uh, investor day, pro new product release day in September, like they always do. And uh, they've continued to grow, you know, to now almost 174 a share. And I think Josh Brown from uh, Ritzhold Wealth Management uh, Company, uh, he's the CEO there, and he's always on CNBC and all the other investing media, uh, said it best. He said, you know, today was a day where if Apple was not, if it was flat or down, we would be having a totally different conversation of how negative today was and where the market's headed. Because Apple is so important due to its market cap and its ratio and all the other indexes, uh, you know, you want to pay attention to how... Uh, the big tech companies perform and what they're doing, because that will kind of tell you, give you indications of where the market is uh, emotionally. Uh, and, and another point that he had was, you know, we haven't had rate hikes higher than 25 points uh, since 1994, almost 30 years. So I think the market's still just trying to figure things out. Uh, the NASDAQ ended at 1.3% down today. Uh, and then the last earnings that we just had happen was Synopsys. Uh, really interesting uh, software and semiconductor company. I'm going to have to do some more homework on it. It looks really interesting. Uh, it's been a Gartner leader for, for six uh, years in a row for application security monitoring um, and testing. And then uh, their non-GAAP EPS was $2.10. They beat by $0.11. Cents. They did uh, $1.25 in revenue. They had guidance above estimates, and they're looking at $5 billion for the year. So uh, really interesting there. Um, I think it's a little over maybe 12 to 13 on price to sales uh, ratio last time I looked at it. 
but I'm definitely have to do more homework on it because it does look very intriguing. So I think that wraps up the day on, on where we uh, landed with all the news. So once again, hopefully this has been very helpful in these little recaps, uh, just to kind of get you caught up on what's going on in the market. We're in that time phrase where, where that time frame where it's really just bouncing back and forth on where we go. It's very volatile. Uh, we keep bumping up to the 200 day average on the macros. Um, but overall, I leave you with focus on the companies you want to invest in. Focus on great founder led companies that you have super conviction on. You've done your homework. You're slowly dollar cost averaging into. Um, I know that's what I'm trying to do. Once again, this is not investing advice, but quality and time and patience in the market pays off. So thanks again. And remember, it's never too late. Three, two, one. So thank you again for listening. And remember, to, three, two, one. And thank you for listening today. And remember, it's never too late to dominate your investments.